You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the business side of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, Heather Lewis, AIA, NCARB, talks about supply chain issues and opportunities for veterinary construction. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. Heather joined Animal Arts more than 20 years ago and became a principal in 2004. She's highly experienced and extremely versatile in every aspect of animal care architecture, having designed numerous award-winning veterinary hospitals, animal shelters, and assistance dog facility projects. She's a member of the Fear Free Advisory Board and an author of the Fear Free Standards for Veterinary Hospital Design. Heather also leads the Building and Facility Working Group for Human Animal Support Services. She has dedicated her career to creating environments that bring people and animals together. Welcome, Heather, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kim, for being letting me be here. I'm so excited. Well, you have an article coming up in the spring issue of Equimanagement Magazine we wanted to make sure everyone knew about that's on inflation and supply chains. But today in our podcast, I wanted to delve a little into the topic of supply change. So let's just start with one that I'm sure everyone has experienced in the past few years. Why is it so hard to get building supplies and labor? Oh, my gosh. It's not everybody's favorite topic because when you decide to go ahead and build something, you want to get it done. You're envisioning the end and you don't want to really know how the car is made. You just want to drive it. And so it's really frustrating when you get hung up in this process with various material availability problems. And of course, if you read, you can probably just Google and read that there are numerous reasons why this exists. It exists because we have a global economy. So we depend on materials from around the entire globe, not just the United States. And so there's a whole variety of reasons why those things have been disrupted in the last few years. We're all sick and done with the pandemic. right? Nobody wants to talk about that, but there's still lingering impacts and there are lingering backups and shipping. You know, there are ships that have been sitting off Long Beach, California for a long time on any given day. And there are uh, reasons why materials get hung up between point A and point B. There are some labor shortages and also various strikes, uh, U.S. rail strikes and other strikes and worker conditions around the entire globe that affect um, what we can get right at home. Well, and we know that's difficult. And what about the labor? I mean, it's it's hard to find somebody to get anything done, to come in and do any kind of renovations or construction. Yes, it is really hard. And I think that this is a really fascinating topic. Um, again, probably more of a frustration than a fascination for most people because they just want to get things done. But as a veterinarian, you know it's hard to hire a veterinarian. So you're very, very, very familiar, intimately familiar with um, the lack of availability of certain kinds of work and how that affects your business. Uh, the same thing is true in construction. And it's true for a couple 
couple of reasons. One is uh, some construction professionals were actually affected by the Great Recession. So the millennial generation in particular was affected by the Great Recession. And the Great Recession was so incredibly difficult for construction and design professionals because that was the thing that was cut first in terms of people's discretionary spending. So many people left the field during that time. The other thing that is really affecting um, the United States in particular is we have um, a lot of value towards education, higher education in the United States, and less value towards people going into the trades, which I think is tragic. Yes, actually. I totally agree. Because, you know, the trades are an amazing way to make a living. Uh, electricians get paid really well. I'm not sure that I would want to be a plumber, but I might be an electrician. <laughs> and, uh, and but the trades get paid incredibly well. They have an art form that's incredibly important to our economy and driving our economy forward. And um, young people are not going into the trades in the same you know, numbers that they did in the past. And this is really affecting the ability of um, general contractors to get tradespeople on jobs, in particular skilled trades. Yeah, that's that's a, a big part of our issues. And I know with the term recession, and I'm putting that in air quotes, being bandied about, is it still a good time for equine vet practices to build or renovate in 2023? Yes, it is. And I say that without any hesitation whatsoever. Part of it is that we're in really different economic times than we were in 2009, for example, when I know equine veterinarians had a hard time as well as, you know, people in my industry. Um, what we are seeing now is that even though economists banter the word recession around these days and i call that the r word nobody wants <laughs> to hear it um in in reality there are lots of economic uh, opportunities in today's market and in particular for veterinary hospitals and the reason is that there is a shortage of veterinarians in our country and, and there's more demand than there is supply and at the same time Equine veterinarians are starting to face the thing that has been happening in companion animal medicine, which is the vast um, turnover of private practice towards corporate practice. So basically, equine veterinarians are between a rock and a hard place, but really in a different way than they were in 2009 in that it is essential for them to invest in their practices in order to attract and retain these rare unicorn veterinarians that they're trying to hire. And if they want to make their practice more uh, profitable and or, you know, compete with the potential threat of corporate um, acquisition or even to sell to corporate, regardless of your particular approach to how you look at this, your practice needs investment. It requires investment or it will flounder in this market. So competition is where it's at. And the only way to be competitive is to invest. And, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard to invest. It's hard to spend money. However, it's really important to do or your practice will start to become less relevant over time. Okay, so let's 
get down into what you do. I mean, you you're an award winning architect. You you have worked with some great places all over the world. But what are your recommendations in 2023 if a practice needs, say, more room, they need new facilities or they have specific clinic needs? So what do you recommend first? This is such a great question. (laughs) The thing about construction, it is the ultimate chicken and egg. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what you can afford until you do some planning and then you see what it costs and then you have to go back to the drawing board because maybe you can't afford everything you want, which is reality, right? So I think the thing to do first is to do uh, an exploration phase. Um, You probably should meet with a financial advisor or um, someone who's skilled in the understanding of veterinary medical um, businesses, in particular equine, and get some advice about what you can really afford to spend in the investment in your practice and uh, develop a, a bit of a business plan around that. In order to develop the business plan, you may also then need to talk to an architect and or general contractor who knows what things are going to cost because we have faced a lot of inflation and then iterate upon that business plan until you have a reasonable idea of what your goal is relative to how much you can spend. Um, so I think it's very wise to go into this with some sort of a plan. And that plan may involve input back and forth um, in iteration until you, you know, arrive on it. So it is that chicken and egg. You, know, you don't know what you can afford until you talk to an architect or contractor and then you have to go back to your business plan but in the end even though that's a little bit frustrating it's probably the time most well spent so uh, I think it's really really important to do that Um, with your architect or general contractor you may in fact get a preliminary floor plan or something like that of an exploration of how you want to expand or or build something um, and get some preliminary pricing on that in order to develop that business plan yeah yeah and i would not invest so far at that point to getting permit drawings or anything like that. I would just uh, get that business plan feeling really good so you know where you're going and how much it's going to cost um, before you really pull the trigger on doing complex uh, explorations, engineering, or drawings. And and I will warn folks, since I've been looking at doing some construction myself, uh, you will have some sticker shock. So just be prepared. If you haven't built <laughs> anything in a while, just the cost of lumber and metal and labor is, uh, if you can find the labor, is difficult. So starting this this discussion early might help, especially with the labor market, is to, to find a contractor who has the ability to do what you want. For sure. And let's talk about inflation for just a little moment. Again, none of these topics are super fun. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about this. But, but but a lot of veterinarians have so much work right now that they yeah. need some, some additional room or some special room. They do need additional room and they need that ability to add that piece of technology or equipment that they've been wanting or that service in order to better 
serve their clients and, you know, attract associates and so on. So it's all really good. It's just that we need to wrap our heads around what this inflation means. And um, as an architect, especially one who specializes in veterinary hospitals, I feel like I am the constant wet blanket in that I have to tell folks how much it it costs. And, um, you know, that's hard. Um, And Basically, the way to look at it is that over the last, I don't know, two and a half, three years, we have seen, and I'm not exaggerating, we have seen around 40, that's four zero percent inflation. What? In just the building. In just the building. Like people don't do that math. So they think, oh, it cost me, you know, $200 a square foot to do that fit out a few years ago. And then they're not doing the math that that will cost 40% more today. Um, What we're predicting in the next year, 2023, it is much better, by the way. So you should be feeling really good and positive that the future is way less terrifying than the past. And um, we're looking at probably around 6% inflation for the next year, which is still higher than, you know, investments would give you or the economy should really be uh, increasing in terms of cost. But it is is better. And so 6% is way better than, you know, 15, 30%, whatever we were seeing the last couple of years. So it's, it's settling. And then by the end of 2023, those who have the crystal ball, as murky as it is, say that it should calm down a bit more. Well, and you and I had talked offline a little bit, and you mentioned that not only is inflation in the construction costs leveling out, but there's actually some opportunities during this time. Yes, there are. Let's talk about opportunity because I am a really positive person. I love working with veterinarians. It's my very favorite uh, business type. Um, I think I have a dream job. And the reason I love working with veterinarians is that you can still decide how you want your life to be, how you want your practice to be. You are in charge of your own destiny and you are in charge in a way that you don't see in other professions. So, for example, if you were a human doctor, you would not have the ability to make these kinds of business decisions, most likely. And you would be crushed by regulation and insurance and all the things that makes being a human doctor perhaps less enjoyable if you're entrepreneurial in spirit. So I love working with veterinarians and they do have um, opportunities still to live lives the way they want to. And part of that opportunity means taking risk when other people have curled into a fetal position. (laughs) Right. And that's what makes you special and different and strong and a and makes you thrive. And so if you say, okay, this is not 2009, it's kind of a weird time to build. And yes, things cost more, but there's opportunities. And one of those opportunities is to um, do something that nobody else 
feels quite ready to do because they're paralyzed by indecision or concern. And you don't really need to be. There's a lot of people still taking advantage and building and things are never going to be cheaper. So you might as well do it now. (laughs) So I really think uh, there is opportunity. And part of that is just, like I say, taking risks. I love um, the folks who take risks. And of course, you still have to take them relative to how much you can spend. So I go back to that pragmatic business plan. But that being said, um, going ahead and doing something when other people feel like it's hard is going to differentiate you relative to your peers. So that's one opportunity. Um, I think there's other opportunities as well. And they are, you know, thinking about things in a different way than you did before. So, for example, uh, you know, maybe we don't get to afford our dream hospital with stone glued to the outside of it. You know, maybe we have to use a um, an existing building instead and remodel that existing building. And that's perfectly fine. The U.S. is full of buildings and uh, that need to be um, taken over, renovated, and turned into something. You can find these throughout rural America. And, you know, they pose incredible opportunities for equine veterinarians to build something. You do have to be very careful when taking an existing building and renovating it. So I could, you know, there will be some tips about that in the article coming out in the spring. So I definitely recommend reading that if you're thinking of going that way. But that being said, thinking about renovating instead of building new can be an opportunity. Um, Yeah, and I think that is good. And and one thing that you mentioned in the article that I I do want to make sure if if somebody's thinking about renovating, because a lot of equine veterinarians are going to haul in. I mean, a yes. lot of a lot of their their clients, if you want to get within a certain amount of time to see the vet, you're going to haul your animal in. So a lot of veterinarians are going, oh, well, I need a covered enclosed facility to have that. And one of the one of the caveats you mentioned, and you go into detail about this in the article, is when you look at renovation first, there's a difference in metal and wood structures for veterinary hospitals. There is. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. You know, one thing about veterinary hospitals is they're not agricultural buildings. They are actually commercial buildings. And in not every jurisdiction in the United States, they would be considered commercial. Some areas you may still get away with an agricultural designation. But in reality, they are commercial. They're businesses. They have patients in them. They have uh, commercial quality finishes and lighting. Uh, They might have something like medical gas in them. And for that reason, they need better fire protection and better life safety protection than an agricultural structure would be. And that's what I 
that's what I mean, that you have to be careful when renovating an existing building. So if you take an old wood pole barn, that pole barn is probably meant for housing tractors and not meant for housing patients and may not have the life safety that you need for that. So you do have to be careful. But if you find, um, you know, a newer existing building, particularly a metal structure. Many of our veterinary clients have have renovated those quite effectively into commercial, you know, hospital quality spaces for their Holland clinics or even even things that are more, um, you know, sophisticated in terms of build out like a surgery facility. So it's not impossible to use existing spaces or even to build on to your existing location, even if it's just an office and uh, make something more out of it so you can get that haul in um, practice going. And one of the things that you had talked about, so we've talked about recession, recession and costs and renovations, timelines, because it's always going to take longer to build something than we think. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about that. That's actually a really good point. We work with all kinds of people. And, you know, at any given time, we probably have 100 clients to give you an idea of the number of veterinarians that we talk with every year. And we observe that most veterinarians are building things for the first time. You know, if I go to my veterinarian, I do not expect her or him to explain all the details of the surgery they're doing, right? That's their business. However, if you, on the other hand, are coming to an architect and building your practice, you have to understand everything about my business. <laughs> and it's hard, right? You're doing it for the first time. How would you know everything? So let me give one rule of thumb, and that is uh, it comes from project management. So there's a project management triangle, and that is a balance of quality, time, and money. You get to pick two of those, not all three. <laughs> so... What that means is it's really, really hard to prioritize all three on the project management triangle. Most yeah. veterinarians want a high quality space and they don't want to spend more than they need to. So with that being said, if that's your pick to, what is going to give? And it's time. So, for example... Let me give you a good example of this. You go to order flooring and the flooring that you want to order is no longer available. And Kim, this happens every single day in this industry. Instead of freaking out because this can take four more days to find an alternative, taking a deep breath and taking those four more days to find an alternative is going to be the better choice because if you try not to lose time you might end up losing quality because the research hasn't been done properly or you might end up paying more because now you have to rush that item so i think that we've had to take a deep breath and be really really patient as we navigate through this market 
And I recommend the same for a veterinarian. Where it goes awry is if you do have a time deadline. For example, Mm -hmm. you have to get this done because of X, Y, and Z. You know, maybe it's show season and, you know, um, writers are arriving. Or maybe it's you're getting kicked out of the space because it's the properties being acquired by the highway department. I don't know. There are reasons why people have time deadlines. When they have time deadlines, then everybody has to be all hands on deck. They have to put on their patient hat and patient's hat, I should say, and they have to work together because it's not going to be easy. There's going to be something that's going to hang it up And then everybody has to work together to resolve that thing as quickly as possible to try to stay on the deadline. Uh, But I would say for the average practice that's being built, if you're managing quality and money, which is what most people want to manage, then do be aware that there may be a hiccup or two that's going to make it take longer. Yeah, that's good advice. And are there any other comments that you have or opportunities or caveats that you would like to tell to veterinarians who are thinking about, gosh, maybe, you know, I've made I've made some actually good money, but I'm so busy and I'd like to I'd like to do this. I'd like to add this. I'd like to whatever. Any advice? Final words. I think I have a couple of bits of advice. Okay. Um, One of them is that I another opportunity that I love in this market is really embracing U.S. made, U.S. manufactured. We've gone away from that over the last few decades and to the point where so many of our goods come from overseas. And that has really created some problems for our industry. And you can't go backwards on some of it, to be honest. Um, A lot of it's just going to be overseas. We're not, U.S. Steel, for example, is unfortunately not coming back. Um, We aren't going to see steel going down the Cuyahoga River again, probably in our lifetimes. However, um, there are opportunities to look for U.S. made and U.S. manufactured. And I appreciate that a lot. And I look for that opportunity. So that could be equipment, veterinary equipment. Uh, You might have a choice of whether that comes overseas or here in the U.S. An example is autoclaves. Autoclaves can be made either in Israel or right here in the U.S. And the U.S. autoclaves are much less likely to get hung up with supply chains. So I think um, working with your architect or your equipment supplier or whoever's working with you uh, to look for those U.S. made items is great. Flooring materials, you can get some made in the U.S. Um, A lot of tiles are now made in the U.S. to compete with uh, Chinese porcelain. So I think that There's a lot of really good opportunities to support U.S. jobs and manufacturing. So that's one bit of advice. And again, I'm I'm maybe a too much of an optimist. I'm always an optimist. I'm always looking for the opportunity. But I think the other bit of advice I would give to veterinarians is, again, go ahead and take that risk, but take it within the context of what you can spend. Of course, never, never be foolish. But really find that thing that's going to differentiate you 
that's going to be that one thing that's going to make a huge difference. And an example that I'm seeing right now is the unbelievable um, increases in knowledge and options for equine imaging technology, particularly CT. So sometimes having the right kind of technology like a CT suite can make all the difference in making your practice stand out relative to your peers, allowing you to get better information about your patients, to take care of them better. And um, in the last few years, I've seen an explosion of technology around equine imaging in particular, um, all kinds of CT machines on the market now. They're expensive. Yes, of course. But then you're the practice with the CT machine, right? And you, your clients are no longer hauling to the university. They're coming to you now. And that will be a way to retain a surgeon. That will be um, this thing that allows your practice to pivot around this critical piece of technology. So I'm not every practice can afford or to spend money on that kind of piece of equipment. But I would say, find what is your thing? What is the thing that's going to make your practice different, special? Do the business plan to see if you can afford it. Um, move towards that goal and find that reason to drive forward, to improve yourself and to be able to retain and attract new staff. I think that's the key to our future, to your future. Well, those are some good bits of advice um, for any veterinarian. And we want to thank you today, Heather, for joining us on the Business of Practice. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit. And we invite our listeners to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network to hear every episode of the Business of Practice. And if you have any questions or suggestions, contact me by sending an email to kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. The Business of Practice Podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network and into the Equine Network, LLC. Mm-hmm.